Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another Encore episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. I'm Carolyn Grace, content writer at LRN and co-producer of the podcast. We're sharing another favorite episode from season nine this week, while our team gears up for season 10. In this conversation, I speak with Eric Sawyer, the Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer of Inhabit, and Damian Debara, the leader of curriculum design and communication strategy in LRN's advisory group. We talk about the importance of curriculum design in developing an effective ENC program. Hope you enjoy it. Building a winning culture of ethics and compliance requires efficiency and effectiveness in all aspects of a program, including training, communications, and a code of conduct. But how do you ensure these elements all work together to create a meaningful and intentional learning experience? while also contributing to desired business outcomes. Hello and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Grace, content writer at LRN and co-producer of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Eric Sawyer, the Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer of Inhabit IQ, and my colleague, Damian Debara, the leader of curriculum design and communication strategy in LRN's advisory group. We're going to be talking about why a deep understanding of curriculum design is essential to developing an effective program, using Inhabit IQ as a prime example. Eric and Damien recently completed a learning curriculum for the company's code of conduct, providing the business with a simple narrative for training communications and rearranging future training around that approach. Eric, Damien, Thank you both for coming on the Principled Podcast. Thanks, Carolyn. I'm really excited to be here and to share this conversation with you and Damien today. Thanks, Carolyn. Pleasure to be here. We are so happy to have you both. Eric, I'll start with you. For those who may not be familiar with Inhabit IQ, can you start by telling us a bit about the organization? Sure, happy to. So Inhabit is a prop tech software company that's only been around seven or eight years, private equity backed, the great story of just growing extremely rapidly over that period of time. And we really focus on kind of two specific parts of the market. One is the residential community. So if you've ever rented an apartment complex, Habit provides a lot of the software for many of those apartment complexes and properties that you may have yourself rented a property at or leased at some point in your life. And on the other side of that, we provide property management software solutions in the vacation industry. So if you've ever been and booked a short-term rental through Airbnb or HomeAway or Verbo or one of those types of booking agents, it's likely that you've had some interaction potentially with Inhabit in the background. So we're, we're a company around 1,100 employees spread across the globe made up of just under 40 different entities over a period of extensive mergers and acquisitions. So we're kind of a mixed group of offering software solutions and services, 
And we're at the point in our kind of company history where we're moving away from what was once a startup mentality to now kind of a leader in this space as we look at best-in-class solutions and best-in-class employee experiences. Thanks. That's quite impressive. Damien, you and I, of course, have collaborated in the past, so I have an understanding of your position, but share with our listeners the nature of your work at LRN. It's a really unique blend of advisory and instructional design expertise. Yes. Thanks, Carolyn. So the background to it is that I've spent most of my career as an instructional designer. Originally, I was an instructional designer or scriptwriter, then moved up to being what was called a learning manager, and then became head of instructional design at one point. So I've spent most of my career making e-learning courses, making classroom training, making documents that are used to support those efforts. And over the years, that kind of morphed into going from one learning event up to multiple learning events, or to give it its proper name, a curriculum. So about four years ago, I made a pivot and joined the advisory team at LRN in a new role, which is leader of curriculum design and the communication strategies that are rolled out to support those curricula. Those curricula can be really on anything. The bulk of them are in the ethics and compliance space. But they can also involve, you know, onboarding curricula for new hourly associates at a big box retail, how to wrap chicken burgers at a fast food retail outlet, and everything up to complex financial products for financial institutions. So I've been doing this longer than I probably care to admit, but most of my background, as I said, is in instructional design. These days, I worry about producing efficiency in training time, trying to get people to proficiency in their job faster trying to make an onboarding experience or an ethics and compliance experience enjoyable, or at the very least, not awful, and trying to make things fun, trying to make things simple. And overlying all of that, at the top of all that, is a focus on good, simple storytelling. I'm a firm believer that if we tell learners a simple story about what they're going to learn, why they need to learn it, how it'll help them in their job, they're much more likely to pay more attention. They're much more likely to enjoy what they're doing and rather than resenting it. Trying to get them to understand that we're not ticking a box. We're trying to move a needle and that investment in training and development is in their own interest. Mm-hmm. And that makes a ton of sense. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about how that was applied to Inhabit IQ. So Eric, it got me thinking Prior to our recording, I remember you mentioning that you have a background in learning and development as well. That's a very valuable perspective to bring to the ethics and compliance space, especially given the nature of the curriculum work that you and Damien ultimately produced. Tell me more about that initial spark for this project. What challenge were you trying to solve? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I love Damien's view of the world on how this should look, because I think that aligns very much with some of the things I'll share. My professional career has always been in roles that kind of stood between the business and kind of the ethics and compliance space, oversight, governance, but always had kind of the keen mindset around the idea of how do you make this real for employees when you think about compliance training and initiatives. And I did have the opportunity in a prior role before joining Inhabit IQ to lead 
the learning and development team as part of my responsibilities. And that gave me a great deep dive into what is the most effective training approach, what's the most effective ways to deliver messages that are impactful for employees. So as Damien mentioned, it's not a check the box type mentality, but that you're actually driving a message and a culture that is moving a needle. And it's not the dreaded compliance course or fill in the blank exercise that you have to do taking team members away from their day, but it's something that's actually meaningful, value added, and folks can begin to wrap their head around what we're trying to do as an organization, as well as giving those bite-sized and simple knowledge tactics that they can apply to their day-to-day. So to your question, Caroline, my exposure to learning and development as a leader was really impactful for me. It also drove a passion to say, how do you do this well? I think we've all been with organizations or many of us in which we had to take a course or some type of company required learning. And we've walked away and said, that was probably not the most enjoyable experience. And I think for me, I've always had a mindset around how do I maybe shift that needle just a little bit. So our team, our team members, and our leaders can actually wrap their head around and digest learning modules that mean a lot to them and how they show up every single day when they run our businesses or be a part of our teams. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So Damien, when Eric approached you with the request to work together, What was your initial reaction? How did you two arrive at this idea of designing a curriculum for Inhabit IQ? And if I believe it was for specifically their code of conduct? Well, initially, it didn't actually start out as a code of conduct related request. What happened was Eric and the Inhabit team came to us and said, look, we've got a certain identified set of risk topics that we need to provide training to the business on. So the classics you'd expect in an ENC program, anti-harassment discrimination, conflicts of interest, anti-bribery corruption, some stuff on DEI, which is becoming increasingly important, and environmental health and safety. The difficulty is sometimes that when you present a learner with the story, hey, here's six e-learning courses for you to do, it can seem a little bit overwhelming. It can seem a little bit dispiriting and perhaps a little technical. So what I did was, in a very early on in the conversation Eric and I had, I asked if his company had a code of conduct. Now, the code of conduct document, which most companies have, it's sometimes very celebrated, but oftentimes after it's initially launched, it can get a little bit forgotten. What I wanted to do here was actually put that front and center in the training strategy because every company has one. And if you look at codes of conduct, I'm being very reductive now, but most codes of conduct have the same three or four or five sections. There's usually an introduction by the CEO or the CECO. There's a statement of the company's mission, vision, and values. And then below that, you'll have three or four sections. And those sections, generally speaking, again, speaking very broadly, the first section is usually about people. So that's like anti-harassment policies and training around that, all that kind of stuff associated with people. The second one is usually around the workplace or industry in which you're working. So that might be particular laws which you have to be cognizant of in the industry you're working in and the country that you're working in or the region that you're working in. A third section is often around the company. So protecting company assets, data privacy, records, bookkeeping, that kind of stuff. 
And then a fourth bucket or fourth area is usually around what we might call citizenship. So environmental social governance, awareness of human trafficking and how that might impact on supply chains. Every code of conduct is different. And I can say that with confidence because we write a lot of them at LRN. But generally speaking, you find those four buckets. When you looked at the Inhabit IQ code of conduct, which was in existence, it's organized around four values. So going back to what I said in the beginning, a lot of the value we add is actually not in adding. It's actually in taking things away and trying to arrive at a simpler story to tell the learner. And the story goes something like this. Hi, hey there. Thanks for joining the company. If you want to be successful around here and you want to keep the company safe and so the company can be successful, you essentially need to be able to do four things. That story, basing it around the values in the code of conduct, is an altogether less intimidating experience for a learner. It's a simpler story to understand. And also, you know, we talk a lot in training about WIFM, what's in it for me, which is frankly what most learners are thinking when they get the email saying they have to do some training. Well, what's in it for them is understanding what the company's values are, understanding what the company's commitments are will help you in performance reviews. It'll help you in conversations with your manager. It will help you in your conversations with your clients. And it will help you in conversations when you're trying to recruit great talent. So if we can take a series of risk topics, like the ones that Eric had identified, and then map that to the values or the commitments made in a code of conduct document, and then use that as the structure for the whole training story, the whole training message, that makes it a lot simpler for learners to remember. The other great thing about values, as we like to say here at LRN, rules are good, but values are better. The great thing about values is those values in the code of conduct, they're often quite literally on the walls in the business. So when you walk into large organizations, you walk up to the reception desk and somewhere in that area, those values are often literally written on the walls. They'll have badges, they'll have pictures. The business knows about them. You don't have to go through a round of reviews or IDA to get them. They're there. So what we do is we use the codes of conduct kind of like a framework to hang all of the training off. So the aha moment, if you want, was Eric and I looked at the code of conduct and I said to Eric, look, let me go into the library because it's vast, right? Our library has over 500 learning topics in about 70 different languages. That can be a little overwhelming. It's a bit like the Netflix effect where you you, you open the library and you kind of go, whoa, where do we even start here? And you, you start lots of things for two minutes, but maybe don't complete them. This was an attempt to curate that content for those audience members. So rather than paralyzing them with too much choice and saying, be free to explore and take the training as you want, we wanted to respect people's time. We understand that learners in an organization like Inhabit IQ are busy people. You know, they're time poor, they're training weary, and they want to be in some ways told what it is they need to learn. So hanging the training framework off those four values made the story simpler and it enabled us to move very quickly towards deploying those training courses for Eric and the organization. Yeah, that's so interesting, putting the code at the center of this curriculum. I mean, frankly, maybe I'm nerding out a bit, but I find that kind of fascinating because most often I hear conversations around codes where the code is still framed as if it's an entirely separate entity from training. So I'm 
curious, in your opinion, why you think that isn't happening more often, or really what was the thinking behind making it so integral to the learning experience? Well, the reason for making it integral is because oftentimes it's, as I said, it's already there. That bun fight has happened. You know, a code of conduct authoring process and review process from initial meeting to town hall where the CEO or the CEO launches it, that can take 12 months. And there's a lot of hoopla around it when it gets launched, a lot of attention and energy, but it can quickly kind of fizzle out and kind of get a little bit forgotten. But that has been an exhaustive process. Writing a code of conduct, the actual copywriting of the document is kind of the quick bit. It's getting it through all the stakeholder reviews and getting it through the board reviews. That takes a long time. So if you've spent that much time and energy and, frankly, resources on getting it done, let's use it. It's already there. You've got that simple storytelling framework, as I said, literally written on the wall. As to why that doesn't happen more often, that's an interesting question, which we could take like an hour to unpick. But I think very quickly, it's because sometimes one part of a business might take care of the authoring and construction of a code of conduct. And it doesn't get the training department, for want of a better expression, over on the other side of the building, might not actually know about it. So we've often had the case where we're working with clients, and I'll be talking to, say, a training team. And that training team will be actually unaware that another part of their company is talking to another part of LRN and we're making the code of conduct. So what we always say is that the code is the hub in the middle of the wheel and everything else, the training deployment, the communications, the town hall, the, everything else around it supporting it are the spokes that come off of it. We focus on codes partially because that's what we do in advisory. It's our bread and butter. It's most of what we spend our time doing, but also because it's there. Every company usually has one, and they usually have simple three- and four-part structures. So our thinking is hang the training framework off of that. Keep the story as simple as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the implementation then. What did you, and I'm asking this of you, Eric, and you, Damien, what did you need this curriculum to address? And how did you bring it to life at Inhabit IQ? So I could start, you know, I think it's sometimes it's really all about where you're at on the journey, right? And, and when we came to LRN and got connected with Damien and the team, you know, we had our code baked for about a year and we had spent a lot of time, just like Damien mentioned, on trying to get that right. You know, we are a company of many business units, a lot of diverse perspectives, and you know, quite frankly, products and services that span the globe. So when we talked about or thought about, okay, what does true ethics and compliance training look like at Inhabit? You know, one of the things we kind of really leveraged was, hey, we really feel good about this code of conduct that we've developed. It's simple, it's digestible, folks can wrap their head around it. There are values that just make sense to every team member across the organization. We had also seen a little bit of insight into this kind of motto that we created, which was all together, all driven. And as an organization, we began to see how those words began to resonate with people. So there was this idea that if we could begin to kind of get that same 
mindset running across the organization with our values and our code of conduct that folks would begin to kind of harness those tenets of that in their day-to-day work. So I think we had hoped for, and now what we're seeing is this idea that we were able to marry up the code with the LRN courses that match specifically to the code. And I'll be quite honest, when Damien kind of approached us with this, I thought to myself, I don't know if this is really going to work. You know, this seems a little bit like a trying to fit something that something's already been created. And and when we got back to it and Damien kind of spent some time really understanding kind of the words on the page that had created throughout the past 12 months or so, it was really easy to kind of fit that into our story. And when you took a step back, you were able to see that we're trying to drive good work and good behaviors and inhabit. And you can do that both from a business success standpoint and from a culture of compliance as well. And it kind of all ties together. So, you know, there was a little bit of skepticism at the front end saying, can this really work? Can this really come together and feel natural from an employee perspective? You know, one of our big initiatives at Inhabit is we're probably not trying to do stuff just to do it. We want it to be impactful to our team members. And in order to do that, it may take us a little bit more time on the front end on how we connect those dots. But we also know when we have it right, when you can kind of see see it all come together. So I think we're at the early stages of seeing what that really means and looks like as things get deployed here over time. But I would say that the effort at the front end looked pretty daunting. But when we kind of got, we said, hey, let's try this. Let's see what this looks like. It came together really, really well. And it was really exciting from my end because I was able to take a step back and say, you know, we're not just checking the box here. We're just not doing this to do it, to say we have a compliance program, et cetera. But we have the option here to really drive something that makes a lot of sense to every single individual contributor across our organization. And I'm excited to kind of, you know, continue to share that and, and share that with not just our existing team, but any new hire that joins the team into the future. Thanks, Eric. There's some very kind words in there. I suppose my thought, Caroline, would be to bring this to life, what we did was, as I keep saying, we hung it on to these values that are articulated in the Code of Conduct. And it's worth talking about those maybe for a moment. So the Inhabit IQ Code of Conduct is based around four core values, and they are simplicity, act with integrity, achieve as a team, and support progress. So right, that's the overarching architecture. We're going to build a bunch of e-learning courses, maybe four or five of them, around those themes. So for example, in the first course, which is on the theme of simplicity, I was then able to go into the LRN library and identify learning topics. Because for anyone listening who doesn't understand or isn't familiar with our library, all of our courses are built around five to seven minute learning topics. Each of those have an internal instructional design model, which is called learn it, work it, prove it. So think of them as Lego blocks. They can be picked up and moved around. So what you kind of get is a mix and match approach. So I took one topic from this course over here and another topic from that course over there, and I bolted them together and I called the course Simplicity. So that first course covers, you know, ask before acting, speaking up, commitment to non-retaliation. The Act with Integrity course, which was actually broken into two parts because that was the biggest need, that covers stuff like ABAC, export controls, conflicts of interest, business courtesies 
And we designed the courses around those values, as I say, mixing and matching the topics. And then to make it flow, to make it harmonious with the Inhabit Code of Conduct, we top and tailed. So there are screens inserted at the stop that say, hey, as an employee of Inhabit IQ, you'll be familiar with our Code of Conduct. It has four values. This learning program is wrapped around those four values. This is the first course of five based on the theme of simplicity or act with integrity. Up front, you tell the learner exactly how many minutes it's going to take, how easy it's going to be, and how it's going to help them. So at the start and the end of each course in that curriculum plan, the learner is always told, here's where you are, here's where you're going next, and here's how long it's going to take. So it it was designed to kind of, we're able to take that library content, which as we know has been built and written over a quarter of a century now. It's solid, really good content but we're able to modify it in certain places and obviously brand it so that it looks exactly like Eric's business. So the learner isn't getting an LRN product. The learner is getting an Inhabit IQ product with LRN content threaded through it. So it feels the whole time as though this has been considered for me. It's been written for me. It's been written in an understanding of the fact that I don't have a huge amount of time and it maps to the values that I know and I'm aware of because they are literally written on the walls in the business. Right. And I absolutely hear you on the importance of that simple narrative as well. Caroline, if you don't mind, I'll add something there. You know, I think really what was meaningful in this, the pre-work and the project itself was Damien and team were really listening to kind of some of the needs for our particular organization and what we were trying to get to. You know, a great example uh, that Damien just shared about is just kind of the need for the right bite-sized content throughout, right? I think probably some of my earlier comments was, this sounds like a great idea, but I can't have a team member sitting down for multiple hours trying to get through that kind of program. You know, it has to be digestible. It has to be kind of in the micro-learning type vein in order for us to be able to achieve it. We run very lean teams, which means that we have to get training and development in front of those team members in the right time and in the right format, as well as within the right time frame. And I think we were able to accomplish that and still make it all connect back to what we were driving as a business and as an organization. Absolutely. I completely, completely hear you on that. So Eric, tell me, you were touching on it a little bit earlier, but I'd love to follow up and ask what the reaction has been to this rollout. I understand it's fairly new, but what are you hearing from employees and leadership so far? We're really early on, Caroline, in just kind of our rollout process here. But I think what we were hoping for and what we're hearing is this all makes sense. This all makes sense to me, right? So I think those are the pieces that we were trying to drive and get to. And it's really exciting that that's the immediate reaction that our team members are saying. Yeah, that's fantastic. So understanding that, of course, we're still in early stages here, where do the two of you go from here with this project? What's next? Damien, I'll start with you. Sure. So right now, as Eric says, from the Inhabit point of view, is the deployment is happening. And it's going to be fascinating to see what the business's reaction is. The most heartening thing I've heard so far today is what Eric just said, is that this all makes sense, because that's exactly what we were aiming for. We want a simple story 
which Eric or anyone else in his business can tell to anyone else in the business in less than 30 seconds. That's it. We literally want an elevator pitch. So all the time when we design a curriculum and come up with that high level story, we're looking for the simple story. Looking forward, we've been doing this for a while, this curriculum design thing. But I'll be candid, most of the curriculums I've designed have been huge. So with some clients, we design curriculums for six months. Sometimes it's more commonly it's a year. But in many instances, there are three and four and five year plans and they take three to six months to work out. So you're working out a plan for six audiences and 40 risk topics, bucketed under five values spread across a five-year plan. Not every client can plan that far ahead. Part of it's because they're in fast-moving industries and things change and the law changes and Department of Justice guidelines change and get updated. So not everybody can plan that far ahead. A lot of clients are thinking a little bit more strategically in short term. So they're thinking about the next year. And they come to us and they'll say, I know I need training, but I don't know what training I need. And I have no idea how to organize this. And I don't know where to start. So what we're doing is now we're actually going to launch this as a formal service from LRN. It's going to be called Code of Conduct Curriculum Design. And the idea is you come to us with some identified risk topics. We say, show us your code of conduct. If you don't have a code of conduct, don't sweat it. We can write one for you. But when we get the code of conduct document done, what we'll do is we will curate those learning materials for you from our library into a recommended playlist with a simple story or narrative at the top. So it's actually a pretty quick way for an ethics and compliance department or an ethics and compliance team to bring a quick bit of storytelling coherence to a learning strategy which gets rolled out every year. So it can be a quick refresh for an existing or annual repeated learning strategy and one which makes it much simpler for the learner and much simpler for the communications within the business to tell that story. So we'll be launching that, I think, over the next, I'm guessing here, sometime in the next month. And as I said, if you drop by, if you're a fan of LRN or you're a regular listener to our podcast, drop by the website, you'll see a button at the top called advisory. And hopefully in the coming weeks, there'll be materials there related to this service and offering. Anybody's curious? You should be able to hit a big fat prominent button on the website to get to talk to us. And uh, chances are you might end up getting your ear bent by me on the phone. So that's that's the immediate future for us in advisory. That's great. And how about you, Eric? What's next? Honestly, I think this is just a start, right? I think we will continue to think about how do we reiterate and develop our team members in a way that they think about both about business goals and ethics and compliance as a part of what they do every single day under the guise of probably our first value, right? Simplicity. And I think this initial first step has taken us to a place of a very simple story that we can tell to our teams. No matter if you've been with us for years or you're coming in the door for the first time as a new hire and how we continue to find ways to reiterate that message and leverage what we've built here in partnership with LRN and with our teams internally. I think there's going to be a journey ahead in a good way. Absolutely. And we certainly can't wait to hear how that goes for you. So looking back on everything that we've just discussed, Eric and Damien, what advice would each of you give ENC teams or leaders who are looking to create similar initiatives at their organizations? 
Only two or three. Okay, right. So I, I could talk about this for an hour, but off the top of my head and not in any particular order of importance, number one would be keep it simple. Keep it simple. Pick your simple story you're trying to tell your learners. So the version you heard me say earlier on was, hey, if you want to be successful around here, you need to do the following four things. So keep it simple. The tragedy we often see is like brilliant training materials, bespoke classroom and online materials being created and then rolled out with poor or else communications. You know, do these 18 courses by the next date. And it's, it's a bit of a tragedy. We see that a lot. So keep the story simple. The second one would be, how do I phrase this? That As I alluded to earlier on, we often talk to clients and one part of the business might be unaware of what another part of the business is doing. And oftentimes we see codes efforts developed in a silo away from what the training and development team are doing. Putting it really baldly, I would encourage everybody working in those kind of areas in their businesses to reach out to the people in the other parts of the business and find out what they're doing. See if they've got a simple story you can hang your framework onto. Because oftentimes it's amazing in LRN, frequently we're the one that bizarrely brings some of our clients together and says, hey, did you know that this guy was doing this over here and this? And they go, no, I didn't know this. And when you get them talking, the story emerges and the structure and the program emerges. Because innovation happens when smart people get to talk to one another. So I would say those are the two big things that come off the top of my head. Keep it simple and reach out to other people in your organization and find out what they're doing. What are the stories that they're telling? And then go from there. Thanks, Damien. I think you took my first one on keep it simple. <laughs> but, Did I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but it's so true, right? We tend to overcomplicate these things. And I would say my kind of second tenet of that or, is don't be afraid of kind of that white sheet of paper. I think when initially Inhabit thought about our code of conduct and training and you know coming from a company that had some rapid growth over the last couple of years you know it was the idea that you're really starting with nothing in some cases and that actually is probably the greatest opportunity you may ever have to build a program and a culture of compliance and of code of conduct from all the lessons learned that you've seen go right or wrong in your past so if you're an organization and you are trying to figure out where do I even start, I would say if you have the opportunity to start with you know, that blank sheet of paper and to co-create that with the, your teams, with folks like LRN, jump in and do that. Don't let that kind of hold you back because that may be one of the only opportunities you have to do that and maybe one of the most rewarding. I know it's been for me and for my teams to kind of start from nothing and build something that you're really, really proud of and that your team members are excited about when they think about your company values, your code, and how you implement that through training each and every day. That's great. This has been such an insightful conversation, Eric and Damien. I've learned so much from you too. And I feel like we could keep going for another few hours, as each of you have mentioned at certain parts in this conversation. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So thank you both for joining me on this episode. Thanks, Carlin. And thanks, Eric. It's been a pleasure. It's been great to be here. Thanks for having me. And thank you to our listeners. Once again, my name is Carolyn Grace, and I hope you join us next week on The Principal Podcast by LRN. That's a wrap for this Encore episode. You can learn more about best practices for curriculum design by going to the advisory page at LRN.com. Or 
click the link in our show notes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Carolyn Grace, and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.